I'm Susie Anetta, Editor-in-Chief of Design Anthology. In today's episode of the podcast, I'm chatting with Italian designer Luca Nichetto, who's dialing in from his studio in Stockholm. Thank you so much for joining us, Luca. It's um, it's a pleasure to be chatting with you. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much to invite me. Of course. So I think the last time that we actually spoke was maybe mid-2020. I interviewed you over video for Denfair in Australia. Um, so a little bit of time has passed since then. And I think, uh, well, I for one at that period of time was thinking that, you know, we'd be talking about the pandemic in past tense by now. But sadly, that's not the case. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, you know, how has the last year been for you and, and how have you sort of, how's the studio been and how are you kind of managing to keep projects going along in the midst of all of this? Well, for sure it's challenging, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I mean, thanks God, um, the studio is going very well. I think... Um, the main reason, I think, probably is the, the the studio built during the 20 years that is existing solid relationship and, and partnership with client. Uh, that to call client is maybe the wrong word because maybe the, we can call properly partner. That is, a, there is a strong relationship, so they trust us we trust them and and that of course help to continue to to do some some project together and so to be extremely honest uh, and i'm touching wood right now <laughs> but the last year <laughs> the last year probably was the best year ever for for, for the studio in terms of wow. uh, projects and uh, also the different kind of project and and also in the economical point of view. Um, the part of that, of course, uh, the pandemic is uh, pushing us somehow to rethink also the way that we, you know, we design because in the beginning, uh, in the beginning of the pandemic, of course, there was a lot of project that was starting before. So somehow they were in a kind of uh, status that um, allowed us just to refine the project. But then, of course, the new project that came during the pandemic, uh, you need to really think differently when you approach the project. So you need to be much more, in my opinion, details in, in, in terms of... Uh, you know the output that you give to the client to develop later on also the the products so you need to have a sort of much more attention much more time consuming in really delivering something that is not only let's say a concept but is also is a real project that means you suggest the material you 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 are also jumping into the technical 
um, details to, to really offering to the, the b best picture that you can give to the client. So also if you are not traveling and seeing the product together in the workshop, at least there is all the ingredient to start uh, properly to develop uh, your new ideas. Mm. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I I kind of feel quite bad for anyone that's sort of younger and just established their studio if they don't have, as you say, 20 years of relationships, but also the experience that you have to be able to, I guess, take a step back maybe and, and think about how to continue to do what you do in, in this new normal that we're living in. I mean, it must be a very different scenario for anyone that's that's new. Well, I, I think uh, I completely agree with you. I think um, the, but it's not only a responsibility for the young generation. I think is, um, I think it's also our responsibility as maybe a more established designer to really trying to help in the way that we can to connect these young talent with the industry. Because I think there is a lot of talented people out there. And maybe as you say, what they are missing is the network of uh, possible new client. In that case, I think if we are in the lucky side uh, and uh, for you know the, the passion and the love that we have for what we are doing, I think it's the moment also not to be just, uh, you know, looking our little garden, but also to be more generous and, and thinking about uh, what we can do also for the new generation, because otherwise there is uh, a big problem. And I think also for us, um, the, let's call the older one, <laughs> um, there, I mean, it's so important to see the new designer coming up because they give you different, you know, they put on the field different energy and, and different point of view. Uh, and this is a kind of, you know, interesting to see how they see the world, uh, how they look the world differently from us and help us to, to challenge ourselves also and to be uh, and to to be also curious. So it, it's vital for the design community that there is a young generation that is performing. I, I don't want to say I want to do a call for all the established designer, but I think it's really important that we, we, we will be able to support the entire design community. Mm, that's a really nice sentiment. And so you have a studio in Venice and another, because that's where you're from originally, but another in Stockholm. Is, is yes. that where you've been in the last year, in Stockholm? Yeah, I'm stuck in the, in the north since two years almost. It's not a bad place uh, to be stuck though. No, 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 no. It's not bad at all. It's a, it's a beautiful country. It's, uh, it's just... Uh, uh, was very hard in the beginning uh, because you know Sweden, um, in a way, really uh, adopt a completely different strategy against the pandemic, mm. and seeing what was happening in my home uh, country, um, 
with a disaster, etc. Not, not only Italy, of course, but was one of the first being hit, in, in, the first one to be hit in, in Europe. So it was a bit, uh, a bit strange to see Italy in lockdown and Sweden not. Yeah. Um, and, and now looking back, I mean, I, I, I consider myself lucky, at least psychologically, because of course, we, me and my wife, uh, we try to do the best that we can to um, auto-isolate ourselves and to follow more our own rules, not the rules that the government say to us. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, um, but, uh, you know, seeing outside a sort of normality, I- in a way, I can tell you that psychologically help a lot because uh, we didn't face the, the and I hear of course because I have my team also in Italy how much they were struggling to, to be you know close at home um, so in that sense it was um, a bit more relaxed the situation I can yeah. say yeah and when was the last time that you saw your team in Italy when was the last time you were in Venice well that I saw them in person is yeah. last time that I saw them was like um, February 2020. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Gee, that's that's and, crazy. Yeah, and um, it's true that I mean last summer, for example, I was planning to to go back to Italy, but then with the kids and the school, et cetera, et cetera. And also the situation that we have here and my wife, uh, that she is alone with the two kids. So we decided to, to skip the travel to Italy also because it was a bit, let's say, complicated, uh, considering the test to do, the connection flight that doesn't exist, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we decided to, to stay in Sweden. Mm. And then... Uh, and then also in the end, I was just waiting to to see how the situation was moving. And uh, as I mentioned, thanks God, the business was going okay. And um, and now I'm just waiting my second shot of vaccine to be a little bit more, how to say, not not that I'm worried to catch the virus, but it's more like uh, not for me, but also for the people that is close to me that mm. I'm uh, trying to be a little bit cautious in that sense. Mm. So, yeah, as I just mentioned, you, you are originally from Venice, but more specifically from Murano, which is, you know, obviously quite world famous for its glass blowing. And yes, you studied art as well as industrial design. Is that correct? I study, I study first uh, in Venice. There was this, um, I don't know, because we call uh, Scuole Superiori in Italian. I think it's a sort of high school if we oh. translate in uh, mm. and my high school was um uh, i studied at institute of art that was uh, was a special school that somehow teach to the kid to the guys and girls like uh, to about let's say craftsmanship in different mm. kind so um, was one of the oldest school uh, in uh, apply art and uh, and there was different section so means uh, we have common uh, let's say courses like uh, language history etc etc mathematics but then there was 
every section of different kind of workshop. And uh, I study glass and then, but at the same time, my classmate, there was people studying like ceramic or sculpture or uh, printing or jewelry. So there was different section based mostly in, uh, depend where the Institute of Art was located in which area of Italy, and everything was connected to the local um, craft, let's say. Wow. And uh, yeah, so for me it was very uh, natural to study glass <laughs> because mm. I was from Murano and uh, right. it was the thing more close to me. And your grandfather and was a glass blower, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, right. and my mom was, um, she was uh, decorating glass. So, I, mm. I mean, Murano, I can say 99.99% of people that I grew up together uh, was involved in, in the glass industry. That's so, incredible. Uh, yeah, I was surrounded. Uh, you had no choice. It was fate. I have no choice. <laughs> <yeah>, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I think I read in an earlier interview that you said that uh, glass blowing or working with glass blowers teaches you to make quick decisions and to compromise. And I'm yeah. I'm wondering if you think that those skills have helped you in the last year. A lot. Get, yeah. <laughs> A lot. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, I, I truly believe that, especially in a in a crisis moment. Uh, it's very important to uh, to take decision, even more than in a normal time. And of course, uh, you can do also mistake, but uh, it's important to take a direction, the best direction that uh, you think uh, is workable for you and for your team. And uh, uh, as a designer, uh, as a person also. And um, glass, in general, the glass production, when you are working with a glass blower in the, that is in the front of 1,000 degrees, trying to execute what you have in your mind, the first thing is you need to be able to build up a relationship with that person. That is not only one, by the way, because normally mm. it's five, six, depending on what you are doing. So you need to be, you know, creating a sort of chemistry and understanding what kind of language and the way to communicate with these people in the best way that you can. Um, because, I mean, they know how to do things, but you need to be able also to convince them in a polite way, because <laughs> if they feel that you are arrogant, <laughs> Uh, is uh, you will never succeed, and and when they are, you know, glass is so special as a material that literally you have a couple of seconds to decide if that specific shape or form or effect is what you have in your mind, mm. and most of the time, when you are designing something with glass. You know more or less how the things will go, but always you will be surprised. So you need to be able to accept, you know, that kind of um, unplanned situation 
and being able to understand if it's matching with your idea. And that is a compromise because mm. you don't know uh, from the beginning. And maybe it's the compromise that is close, the closest one to, to, to your main idea. And as I say, you have a couple of seconds because if you wait a little bit too much, then the shape is different or the effect is different. So you lost in a way your, your, your moment. And um, and probably being trained in, in this kind of situation um, helped me a lot, really, in in, uh, in many things that I'm doing to 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 have an overview of the goal, and but also to be fast and uh, in deciding if this is the direction that I want to take. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's a sense of following your instinct or your gut? I don't know how you would say that in Italian, but is there, do you think that that's part of it? Like listening to... Um, of course. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Making those I decisions. mean, uh, I think um, I really trust my gut feeling. Um, in sometime, you know, uh, it's not that. I'm doing everything perfect. Uh, thanks God. <laughs> uh, I, I, you are learn. I mean, I'm very a big fan of learning by doing, and and uh, having the opportunity in doing things and learning at the same time um, is, I think, is one of the most beautiful things to to be a designer, because every day you can learn something. And, and you know, I, I was reflecting also because we are, we are doing um, a book that, about the studio that will be launched next year. And, uh, and when you are working on a book and you start to look back all the projects that you did, etc., etc., you remember all the situation. And, you know, in the beginning, when I, I was a young designer, um, it's not that I have such an experience in knowing materials or process or uh, and I don't have so much experience. So in that moment, I was, let's say, quite a naive person. <laughs> but the, um, to be naive helped you a lot to jump into unexplored situation that um, uh, with the experience that I have right now, maybe I will never jump that in that side because um, the experience, of course, help you a lot, but in the same time, stop you a lot. To to mm. to, to. So I, I think it's very important to find a balance between the two things, and um, and that most of the time is your gut feeling that tell you, okay, do that or don't do that. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more actually. So, you know, I, I find your background, you know, with this study of art and, and the glass blowing, but then also this very sort of um, maybe more stricter industrial design practice and the consulting work that you do, that combination is quite interesting. And I wanted to ask you if you feel a sense of responsibility to kind of sustain uh, certain crafts, old traditions, and, and whether you think that's a responsibility of all designers um, to kind of help keep those alive. What do you think about that? 
Well, I think should be our main mission <laughs> uh, for, for how I, I look the thing because um, I, I'm, it's true that from the art study, I jump later on in the study industrial design, but uh, especially in Italy, you know, industrial design that if we translate uh, in Italian means disegno industriale, that is slightly different the meaning in Italian that in uh, in English, for example, because disegno industriale means designing for the industry, and because mm. Italy, in the history, the manufacture is quite you know the manufacturing size in Italy is quite small because most of the time is let's say artisan that later de develop a sort of ser uh, production series. And it's not really a mass production. So I think is one of the reasons why Italy become a sort of, uh, you know, uh, fantastic country for all the designer all around the world to come in and work with, because it's the perfect scale that help you really to um, designing things without to jump in too much into the corporate situation or mass market situation. So you can train yourself quite well in that in that kind of field in Italy. And so most of the uh, company that we call design company in Italy are sort of, let's say, uh, um, craft company 2.0 i mean that was you know growing after the the second world war and changing their approach not only to do custom products but becoming more um, company that produce product in, in series and um, and especially now that we are talking quite a lot uh, and i think it's very important also talking about the the another crisis that is probably bigger than than the corona crisis that is the environmental crisis mm. uh, one of the this is my personal opinion one of the most important thing is the quality of the product and mm. uh, the quality, how the product is done, and the longevity of the product in the market, and how for how long you can use that. Because every time that we are designing something, we are polluting our <laughs> planet somehow. Doesn't mm. matter how much uh, attention we will put on that, there will be always something bad in that kind of uh, process that we are going to do. Also, if we are trying to do the, you know, to, to be very careful in all the steps, but still, uh, there is always the opportunity to pollute. So I think if we are aware about this problem, and if we think about that normally a good craftsmanship means a product that, of course, is a slightly more expensive than others. But in the same time, you are not buying only the product and his function, but you are buying also a piece of culture because you are buying the culture of people and the history of this 
company or the supply chain that was able to create that. And, and if it's well done, that product maybe will stay with you, I don't know, 20 years, 30 years, also 40 years. And mm. the impact uh, that you are having with that product is for sure much more sustainable than maybe to work with, uh, you know, recyclable material or everything. And maybe the product is not so well thought. And, uh, and after maybe a couple of years, you threw away, you buy another one. So consider all these aspects. Uh, the, the, the craftsmanship is, uh, as I say, we are preserving also the culture of specific places. And it's the thing that make um, very special what we are doing and also different to uh, country to country uh, because every country have a specific thing. So in a, in a world that was globalized, I think this is helping also to do something that's still uh, with a soul uh, mm. and with the roots really, you know, deep into your uh, different culture. And it's very important, in my opinion, for a designer to be able to protect that. Mm, that's a great answer to that question. Uh, and it makes me want to ask you whether you feel that you identify with being an Italian designer, specifically Italian, or do you think of yourself as an in, just a designer? Is, is your culture <laughs> and your roots, is that, is a, is that a part of you know, who you are as, as a professional in the industry? You know, um, uh, I, I love this question because if you were <laughs> asking me this question like a couple of years ago, I, I was telling you, no, I, I'm just a designer. It doesn't really matter from where I came. I, I'm, but now, I don't know if it's uh, the result of the, the pandemic <laughs> or um, if it's maybe, um, you know, the, the 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 process that I I done uh, as a designer that uh, uh, somehow is probably emphasizing even more my my origin. So I I'm I'm a Italian designer hundred <laughs> percent, and uh, probably uh, I'm I'm uh, just slightly different from many other Italian designers that in the beginning they were performing mostly in Italy uh, for many reasons. And for my personal history, having the opportunity to live in another country and being very curious to work in different kind of culture, etc., etc., I opened up a network of collaboration that is more or less covering the entire world. But uh, I still very Italian, in my opinion, in terms of um, approach. Mm. Uh, well, as you just mentioned, you you know you do have a network that that is very international in terms of the brands that you partner with and collaborate with. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about that, and perhaps to start with uh, some of the brands that you've worked with that are you know so-called heritage brands. So, for example, someone like Whitman. Um, who I think, if I've got the dates right, is perhaps over a century old now. Um, yeah. uh, you know, how important do you think it is to sustain brands like Crafts? You know, why would it be important for you to want to work for a company like that that's trying to make itself relevant again? Well, I think probably 
is something um, also related to my origin because I grew up, I born and I grew up in Murano, and I remember how good and important was Murano <laughs> for the glass industry when I was a kid. And I saw how many people was employed and, uh, you know, the, the, how good was for people also working in the factory because that was giving the opportunity, you know, everyone in Murano had a very good life, let's say. And uh, plus, they were able to build up a, a very interesting um, scheme in how to produce handcraft product with such a quality, but then moving this in a sort of, you know, the product that was used every day, like glasses and so on. And then later, uh, growing, uh, I saw also how much the impact of the globalization and the, the event of, you know, when company like uh, IKEA or uh, Zara Home or, or many others came into the market and uh, in a way educate people to, you know, consume and buy things extremely cheap that uh, maybe is also well designed, but uh, they call democratic design for me is everything but not democratic. Um, <laughs> and, and then destroying almost this kind of district with a very high specialization, specialization in some craft. And, um, and uh, so for me, the, 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 the word crisis in Murano, I mean, I grew up with this word, crisis. Every two years there was a big crisis. In, in, uh, maybe it was a crisis of tourism, it was a crisis of financial crisis, but there was always the word crisis in Murano. And I saw how slow, I mean, not so slow, quite fast, the glorious uh, island become very, you know, in a danger position and uh, how the unemployment started to grow, the factory closing, etc., etc. So now that I'm a father myself, I'm even more living in another country, thinking also for just one second that my kids, maybe one day when we are, you know, they will be 20 or 25, they are going Murano, and they will not be able to see what I experienced as a kid myself and see such a beauty on and tradition and culture and, as I say, the root uh, of, of the family also, based on that, this, uh, and with the risk that everything will disappear, uh, make me really suffer. So, and being a designer myself, I was... I, I'm trying hard <laughs> to make this process as slow as possible because I really want, uh, and maybe not only slow, uh, maybe trying to stop it. And uh, in you know, I'm, I don't want to say that I'm able to change the world, but uh, I'm sure that 
brick by brick, we, we can be able to, to preserve that. And this what I'm, and the, the reason why I love craftsmanship, and I, I really want to try to work as a designer and also with my studio, also in that direction. So history is obviously something that uh, is quite important to you then, and something that needs to be protected. Yeah, maybe is. Um you know, <laughs> um, is um, uh, Italian immigrate in another country have the opportunity to see how much history and beautiness we have in our country um, that when you are leaving that country, maybe you don't care too much because it's... it's is what is for you normal but when you move in another country you you start to realize how much you have and how much you are not doing as a community to protect that mm. so somehow to to immigrate in outside italy helped me to appreciate even more uh, my, my own country and, and seeing things probably slightly different, uh, not only with the arrogance to say made in Italy is the best of the world or um, why we need to promote uh, everyone is coming to Italy, whatever. Uh, you, you start to see things slightly different and you start to thinking how I can, not only Italy, but every country, how I can as a designer try to sustain that in the best way, not just with a cliche, but trying really to do a, a deep work that help me and the company to educate the customer. And as I love to say, users more than customer to understand the value of what we are creating. Mm. Well, I'm curious to hear about your experiences on the other end of the scale of working with a brand that's very new. And I'm, I'm talking particularly about the China-based furniture brand, Zhaozuo, if I'm pronouncing yeah. that correctly. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd like to hear a bit about how those experiences might have differed, because I also heard that you had received some um, negative feedback about uh, from you know particularly from people in Europe about working for a Chinese brand and I'm curious to hear a bit more about that as well so you know what motivated <laughs> you to, to work with you know a brand new company on the other side of the world um, and, yeah, and what maybe was that was experience my gut. like <laughs> okay well that's good was my, <laughs> was my gut feeling no I'm, I'm joking I'm um, I was you know um, when um, there was this opportunity to, to work with, with Zauzuo. Um, was a moment in, in, uh, in my life very uh, hectic because I was uh, becoming a father for the first time. And uh, my studio was in a sort of growing moment uh, after collaboration with very important brands uh, in Italy especially and um, 
And nothing, I, I just receive, uh, I was receiving a lot of requests from China, a lot of emails from, you know, company that, or producer asked me to design something for them. And I really, I don't know, never really considered too much. I was reading all the time, but um, the emails, but I, I didn't consider so much that uh, particular uh, part of the world until I received this email from Xu Wei, the founder of Zhaozuo, that her email was such a, how to say, interesting email. She was telling me about her experience working, studying overseas in the States and starting working in, in, the, in the startup industry in California. Uh, and then she felt that she needed to move back to China to help her own country and the, the new generation of young people um, to grow differently and to have also something that uh, in the Western world we have achieved, but China for many reasons didn't. And so she was really mentioned in, in the email one word that really touched me that was, uh, I want to help the new Chinese middle class. And, uh, and if someone loved design, and in particular Italian design, know pretty well that the boom of design in Italy start immediately after the Second World War, when, of course, the country needed to be rebuilt almost, and there was other needs. But the design in the beginning, big company like uh, Casina, Cartel, B&B, Floss, all, all these big names of the Italian design industry, they succeed because their product was focused in the new Italian middle class, not in the luxury market. So, and seeing my approach as a designer in Europe, mostly in the Western world, let's say, where my design for many reasons was mostly in the premium segment, having the opportunity to really have a proper impact and working with a new <laughs> middle class that was established themselves, uh, was the reason why I, I accept to, to, to jump into this project, because I, I was really thinking what kind of impact my profession can have if I'm, I really need to work to, you know, the needs of people, not just on the cosmetic side. So it was a I, was, I was criticized myself also somehow and, and trying to challenge myself to see with all the skills that I develop until that moment, if I can really, you know, have a proper impact in, in, a, in another country. So, and because I think creativity normally, at least for me, if I really want to be creative, I need to be not in a comfortable zone, but in the opposite side. So I really need to find an uncomfortable situation to perform. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I accept that and, and it's true 
that when I accept that, there was a lot of um, brands that was very skeptical about my choice. And probably I, um, I pay <laughs> somehow for that choice because maybe with this company I, I was not able to work anymore. But I'm not regretting one single moment that choice because gave me the opportunity to learn so much and about a new country and to give a different angle and perspective to what I'm doing. And also, you know, being in, in another country like China and um, helping, you know, starting a brand, a new brand that was born six months before that I joined and then becoming part in very important part of that helping to to set up uh, all the skills for the internal team involving international designer so it was very uh very 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 interesting mm, gosh yeah that's that's such a great story um, and I feel like I could I could chat to you for so much longer, but um, I, I'm going to just give you one more question, and uh, it sort of touches on the, the environment and sustainability. We already talked a bit about you designing products that will last and that are timeless, and you know, with longevity in mind. Uh, mm -hmm. And you just said that creativity comes out of you being uncomfortable. Um, so you know, in the middle of a pandemic, if you could design the future. What would it look like? How would it function? And how would it differ from our current reality? Well, first of all, I've loved that uh, all the government all around the world understand that probably on the table, on the decision-making table, there should be a designer. And, and not to design a product, but to help them, them to design something because they are not designing nothing. And I think creativity applies. <laughs> on that political level should be probably the next chapter of how to apply design thinking in different way. And I think the world now need that. So I would love to see really designers sit on that table. And, um, and I'm sure that they would do a fantastic job to help through creativity to, because you know, designer most of the time we are the finals problem solving and the most big problem now is who is managing us in my opinion and <laughs> and then uh, um, um, so the future uh, I would love really to see not the design is considered just you know something very you know cool or trendy but I, I love that design back to the main roots that was really, you know, trying to make better the life of people. And, uh, and considering all the trouble that we are facing right now, there is so many things that as a designer we can do. And so it's, I mean, also if it's a challenging time, is also a time full of opportunities. So I would love to see really how the new generation of designer are able to step up and find their own space. And, you know, seeing the new trajectory of, of, of design, not only 
in doing products, but or you know, or installation or things that for us as a designer is the usual things that we are doing. But to see also how how they can really apply the design thinking in something completely new and something completely different. And to tell you exactly what I don't know, but as I say, I would love that will exist a word that you know, like now there is lighting designer or product designer or food designer. I would love to see a, a new form of designer is political designer <laughs> and that could be very interesting i agree and i think that's a really great place to uh to end the conversation thank you so much for your time luca it's been it's been really wonderful chatting and i hope you and your family stay safe and well in stockholm thank you very much it was a big pleasure chatting with you and uh, hopefully see you Soon. I don't want to say when, but soon. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere in the world, sometimes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you again. Yeah.